0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What's New in Cloud FinOps with me, Franck Contrepois, and my friend,
1: Stephen Old. And today, it's all a bit different.
0: Yes, we, first of all, we are the FinOps guys, and we have a guest, an illustr guest. So, please introduce yourself, guest.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, my name is Tony Johnson. I go by TJ. And I am a FinOps practitioner, a member of the FinOps Foundation. Uh, I have X number of certs across multiple cloud vendors. Um, I'm a master gardener. Uh, I'm a veteran in the US and really happy to be here.
0: That already just it sets the scene that this is going to be cool. Okay. And, and we have to admit, we had no clue on what TJ wanted to talk about. He said he had lots of topics. And he picked one, and <laughs> we just say, stop talking, let's stop the recording. So this is what you're going to get now. So TJ, what was the, how was the sense? What do you want to talk about, TJ?
2: Well, and thank you for the opportunity to, to just kind of talk about whatever's top of, uh, top of mind here. Um, you know, recently, I, uh, I've been a member, and fairly active with the FinOps Foundation, and I submitted a request for a new working group called the Social Aspects of FinOps. And it's really about you know kind of the behind the scenes part of FinOps where you know most people are thinking about well how do I work with optimizations or how do I you know optimize my Kubernetes but but the social aspects of, of FinOps is really about communication and and that's really kind of the the unsung hero of success for for FinOps practitioners meaning that we don't talk a lot about how we communicate with within our teams, uh, within the organization, with our stakeholders. Uh, you know, And I think it's an important part of, of FinOps because um, you need to build trust. And how do you build trust? So that's typically through communication. And so I thought this was an important topic to bring up because I think there's a lot of successes that we can share amongst uh, other practitioners to really talk about how did we Build trust within our organization for people to say, "Okay, the FinOps team is giving us good information. It's giving us what we need to help manage the business. It's it's communicating on awareness of spend on, uh, you know, how do we optimize this? How do we save money there? What is our uh, model for?" building a community usage uh, practice within the organization, Now, whether that's uh, reserve instances or savings plans or cuds or uh, reserved slots for BigQuery, whatever that is in whatever platform you have. I think it's really important to talk about how we communicate and what manner and what plans do we have in place and and what communication channels have we used. Um, and so I just wanted to bring that up to the FinOps Foundation and and um a couple of people said, Well, you should start a working group. And I'm like, Okay, let's do that. So uh so I presented to the the TAC and and they said, Okay, let's let's put this together. Uh of course you're gonna lead it. And I said, Yes, I, I will. And uh and yeah, that's how it all started. And now we've got, you know, a couple people. I've got a 30 second slot on the next summit. Uh, so yeah it's been really fun trying to start this this whole working group and and really uh, finding out that a lot of other people have uh, this is an interest and in, and want to talk about it so as they as they joined the working group slack channel it's been really interesting uh all the different people from all the different companies and um, just trying to you know figure out what's best for for them and and maybe grow some new skills and and yeah it's been it's been great I think
1: it's a fantastic one, because if we look yeah. at the biggest challenges out of the state of FinOps, you know, it's getting engineers to take action, right? I think a lot of people kind of go, oh, right, well, it must be process. We need to fix the process and make them do it. But actually, it's about relationship. It's about trust. It's around That's people true. understanding and believing in, in the recommendations that uh, are being shared. Hey,
0: okay, yeah, yeah. I totally connect also well. The FinOps Foundation reminds us absolutely on every page of their website that FinOps is a culture change and culture is really about people and communication is the way we we do everything. So I'm totally thinking what you're you're building is absolutely positive and it's going to really impact the the community. And yeah, that trust that you talk about, it's really in the end, we only take action. It's not due to... Carrot and sticks, most of the time, is because yeah, someone is asking us nicely, as, <laughs> as basic as it might seem. So
2: yeah, and, and it yeah. really fits kind of every part of what we do. Uh, you know, we we at, at Box just finished our our a little bit of our FY twenty four planning and forecasting of services that we're going to consume and and you know units and dollars and all going to but but what facilitated. That moving forward as quickly as it it did was, you know, how we communicate, where we communicate and, you know, building that trust to say, you know, I'm your guy to help you build your forecast and let's figure out together uh, certain aspects of it, such as, you know, we did an exercise uh, early in the year to uh, continuously find a a common unit cost across uh, kind of the different services within the different cloud providers we use and we use four different cloud providers. So we've got uh, GCP, we've got AWS, we've got Azure, we've got IBM Cloud, and they're all, they are all have different unit costs, obviously. But to apply a forecast across all four cloud vendors and then apply the right unit costs to determine um, what we call a unit budget and then a dollar budget uh, moving forward for forecasting, we had to build trust to ensure that we had good information to help them understand what they spent in the past and then work with them and have conversation around what do they intend to do in the future? And those conversations were one-on-one with, you know, VPs and directors that owned the applications and was really, you know, insightful for for everybody to learn kind of how that happens. And so the the whole communication process and the plan that we developed together uh, to go through this process was, was really quite amazing. and very very positive across everybody so it helps in in every aspect of what you do did you find
1: because of the organization itself and and the culture that exists within within box that it was easy to get people feeling like all aiming for the same goal right because that's a big part of it and i know you've got you know great skills in in bringing people together anyway but was it maybe easier there than it would be in other places do you think there's there's things that um that you can do in general in an organization to help make the whole process of working towards one goal together easier.
2: Yeah, it, you know, at Box we have an amazing culture and and it is definitely one of the one of uh, collaboration for sure. And and everybody comes to the table, you know, looking to collaborate, looking to learn, and and that's what's really amazing about our culture and it it, it really promotes that type of of um, of behavior. And, and it's just an amazing place to work. I, I'm so grateful that I am, I am working there, but it, but it really, everybody did come to the table saying, okay, how do we do this as quickly as we can? And, and how can we work together on this? And, and that makes my job, you know, a little bit easier as well. Uh, I've worked at other places where it, it wasn't quite so, so, uh, seamless, uh, where, you know, you have people that own fiefdoms, that are are very hesitant to collaborate because they want to keep their information uh, within their own world and don't want to sometimes even share that, right? I was working at a large financial institution a couple of years ago, and um, they they really did not want to share any forecast because they didn't think uh, it was of, of interest to anybody else but them. And so uh, getting something done uh, was much more complex and needed to to use all of my skills, dare I say, to to build that trust, to get them to share some information. And eventually we did and, and they did. And, you know, I think what was different uh, back then is that it was in person. So you could actually go and talk to somebody face-to-face. I think it's a little bit more complex doing stuff over Zoom and building those relationships that way. But again, you know, it, it has to take two people to be open to the conversation and and i think that's a that's a big part of of building that trust that that people are are open to that and and they want to work with you so so for people listening now i say and you they were asking really good question.
0: you said it's how to communicate what channel what communication channel to use but i will start is what would be the first steps, you would recommend someone who has just got their, their FinOps responsibilities, either officially or not officially, and they need to build that networking and starting building that um, relationship and trust. How would, they start? How would you recommend them to start?
2: Um, well, what I do um, when I first start out is identify you know, all the stakeholders and then I build a communication plan. So what does that mean? So I, I know we have certain objectives over the next, you know, quarter or year, and I start building a plan to, to really look at how I can contribute to their success, and and what does that mean? So I'm going to build uh, awareness. Uh, I'm going to for different data sets that they need to make decisions. Uh, I'm going to help them uh, save money on their budget uh, basically through experience and tools. Um, And then we figure out how are we going to communicate? Is it really just going to be a series of Zooms? Uh, Is it going to be through Slack channels? Is it going to be, uh, you know, face to face? Uh, Is it going to be? And so you got to figure out what that channel is, right? And, And different channels have different types of information that you're communicating. Uh, you know, Slack is you know, kind of the more direct message, instant kind of communication. Um, uh, you know, if you have different decisions that you have to make and you have time, then maybe it's done through, you know, email or you post something up on a Confluence page uh, for them to respond to or give them instructions on what the process is. And so it depends on what you're communicating will will kind of dictate what the channel is. I think it's... It's important
1: also to remember that FinOps is about helping people. And and I think sometimes people miss that or forget that and they think FinOps are bugging them or pointing out what they're doing wrong. But if you go in, you know, going to Frank's question, you go in and you kinda of go, right, how do I successfully implement, you know, myself as a practitioner in this organization? It's just remember that FinOps is there to help. And it's there to help the organization understand and manage their costs and get the best value out of cloud. But with the shift to cloud, the responsibility for spend moves, right? And so you've got these people who are accountable for spend, or certainly responsible for spend, whether they're accountable is is dependent on the business, who are really in a position of risk. You know, it's it's not unheard of. And myself and Frank have been in organizations where we've seen this, where um, a environment has been maliciously attacked and a load of spot GPUs have been used and people have gone bitcoin mining right and suddenly this individual person's lab account for instance has got a hundred grand's worth of spend on it right phinox is there to help people see this early understand it early but also just to feel comfortable with the responsibility they have for the capability of spending within a second and so if you go in with that mindset that you're trying to help people you're trying to help them understand try and help them control what is now within their responsibility and what they are actually directly impacting to the customer and actually also helping them understand the value of what they're doing to the company then i think it's a lot easier if you go in straight away and and feel very corporate feel very i'm trying to hit this target for the company then you're going to hit that resistance that we talk about and and you're going to miss that piece i think that's because you're missing the social aspect of actually you're in a position to really help people You're in a position where you hopefully have the understanding and the visibility and the time to give people better information that will help them do their jobs better. And hopefully, if you do that in the right way, people will actually appreciate what you're doing. And that's a really great way of starting. And I've seen that in some of my own kind of practitioner time as much as my management time, where actually, if you just go in that mindset, it makes a big difference.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, one of the one of the first things that that we do from an awareness perspective is we institute uh, anomaly detection, and then how do we alert those those anomalies to the individual, your respective owners, right? And again, another communication channel, another opportunity to communicate, and and I think that's important. You know, you know, you should be leveraging every opportunity that you have uh, from a communication perspective to build that trust to say. Yes, I can help you. You know, with with this issue, uh, let me let me see what the data has that, that that we can support you with, and and help you make a decision around that. And so, yeah, I think that's a hundred percent right on target there. And, and and sometimes we start off with, oh, by the way, you're two hundred percent over <laughs> over budget or or something, right? And and let me help you bring that down through optimization of of right sizing of resources or. Uh, purchasing committed usage, uh, or other other tactics that we can use, right? You now, for example, at Box, we we've identified over 140 different tactics that we can use, right? So it's everything from uh, policy changes. It's it's you know right sizing. It's you know having contract negotiations. You know uh, for specific products. Uh, you know I talked about when I spoke at the FinOpsX on unit economics, one of the things that we talked about was, you know, um, you know, unit cost is not necessarily unit economics. Uh, it's a component of unit economics. And and one of the things that you want to leverage when you're doing procurement is is your unit cost, right? And so, you know, you do the contract on, on how you consume the cloud and, and just don't take, you know, what what you're given at face value because it may not relate directly to, how you consume the cloud. And so we use those kinds of communications with procurement, with different teams uh, to really see how we can apply savings. And so those are all components of of kind of what we do um, at Box and and really help um, our internal customers uh, focus on, um, and our internal partners focus on on helping them uh, be better at managing their business.
0: Really cool,
2: uh,
0: <clears throat> yeah. One, one thing I've seen, which is, it's again, sounds potentially obvious, but it is to take the time to listen to people before, because they probably don't know what you do. FinOps, we, when we you are you are in it, you you just feel that everyone knows about it and everyone everyone has a clue what you're talking about. And then just I've seen that just getting the understanding what people are doing, starting by listening, and then moving to. Talking and defining in their terms how you can help really bring that trust up a notch. It's that listening thing, which is very hard to do, especially for me. I always want to talk. Um, it gets really extraordinary results. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and you know, what's funny is that uh, we were having a conversation, a team conversation around, um uh, an announcement that we had made about uh so this is about sustainability and our our e s g team uh had just published their latest version of their annual report so e s g is environment social and governance, so it's the c o two emissions kind of stuff that 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 organizations talk about, and we were just talking about it, and it's like well, we should and this is probably February or March of this year. We should do something to help them. And what can we do? And then so it, it turned into uh, just a, a comment in a team meeting to now a full blown project where we're now creating reports for the ESG team to understand our CO two emissions across all of our cloud providers. And, you know, coming up with a sustainability number. Because, you know, we are we are the content cloud, right? So we are it's a lot of storage that we have, and so what is our CO two emissions on cloud storage, for example, right? So we are now able to calculate that, um, and 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 continue to to manage that and and optimize that, right? And so if we optimize our storage, and our policies around storage and how we do things, we're, we are able to reduce our CO two emissions, which is a, a great, you know, uh, thing to say, and 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 within our organization. Um, you know, from a cloud perspective, nobody understood that we could, we could do that today, right? So those are all conversations that start off, you know, as a comment and then turn into now a project where, you know, we're producing quarterly reports now on our CO2 emissions for our, for our cloud consumption. And eventually the goal with that is to then go back to our customers and be, you know, what's called the scope three uh, for, for the greenhouse yeah. gases. as a greenhouse gas protocol that's um, a, a global initiative that a lot of organizations use. And there's three scopes. The first two are more internal uh, based on your own data center stuff. And then three is kind of your supply chain. And we are part of that supply chain for our customers. So we want to be able to give them the CO2 emissions for the services they consume from us as box, right? And so, you know, let's turn again, turn it from a conversation into now this project where, you know, our goal by the end of this year is to offer to our customers the co2 emissions they consume by consuming our services so just really great open communications and and, you know our willingness to to start new projects that really haven't been done before and just amazing collaboration within the organization
1: i think that's um that's a really interesting point and it's just worth noting actually we're going to be having uh mark on uh, doing yep. a sustainability um, talk soon because it is so you know high in people's minds. It's something that's, uh, you know, of big interest to myself and Frank. Um, and so it's great to touch on that subject because I think you can't really be doing anything in FinOps without talking about sustainability at the moment. I'd just like to take a si- side step because I think it'd be really sure. interesting to, to the listeners. Um, I'm going to start this by saying, actually, some of the most socially wonderful people I've met in my career so far, and this includes me having a background in hospitality, in, in chefing, um, in sales and doing all sorts of different things. But some of the most socially wonderful people I've met are in FinOps. And I think a lot of people assume that FinOps people are, you know, Excel wizards and just spend our time in spreadsheets <laughs> and that we don't like speaking to people. Right. But that hasn't been proven at all in my experience. And and generally, it seems to draw. And I think it's because it's a niche and it's innovative and it's new, seems to draw really really interesting people and i include you in that tj in the times we've we met at met a couple of years ago and we you know stayed in touch and you're good friends with frank yeah. and therefore makes you a good friend of mine um i think people would be really interested in in your journey and how you got into FinOps and how the social skills that you have and that you talk about and the, you know the social aspects have made you as successful as you are you know what what have they enabled you to do because you've kept that in mind because you so naturally do
2: well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, you know, it, it's an evolution, right? It's not something that I started off, you know, trying to get to. My my first, I want to say, my first career um, is in finance, right? And so, you know, typically finance, you state yourself, you do your numbers, you do, like you said, you do your spreadsheets, and and you know, you're in your little bubble. Uh, you know, you have a very repetitive, cyclical. You know work product that you produce and and it just it seems to never stop and and that's kind of want to move away from from the finance aspect because i was doing uh you know closing the books every month so i was a staff accountant at warner brothers uh, i was a chief accountant for um, another company that did a lot of um secret stuff for the dod and so there was a lot of reporting and a lot of stuff that had to happen with that and You know the detail-oriented part of my brain was very satisfied with that, but the the social aspect was was not so much. Um, And then I moved into um, financial uh, accounting software, um, which I really got kind of heavy into. I mean, I was uh, I'm a little older than probably most of your listeners, perhaps, but um, you know, I was doing Lotus one two three on an IBM, uh, you know, uh, PC. Right, and so I've been doing this stuff for a very long time from a, a cost base analysis uh, kind of financial perspective, and then I got into the accounting software, which led me into candidly the the hardware side of business over, over time, and then I worked for IBM uh, for a number of years, and and was you know blessed to to travel the world on their dime, and help people understand this new thing called e commerce in the nineties. And, and so it just got to a point where um, I moved into a position where we were starting to use cloud. Uh, I've been a consultant on and off, and that's where the the, the salesy part of me comes into play as well. And, and believe it or not, kind of as a FinOps person, you, you are a little salesy in kind of what you have to do sometimes. But, um, but yeah, Absolutely. so I just moved into from accounting software to consulting Uh, And I've been consulting on and off uh, within FinOps. I mean, I've been doing this for a decade already. And so probably more than a decade now. And so, uh, you know, one of my first um, uh, contracts I've saw was a a Facebook contract um, for cloud consumption. And this was in the early 10s, 2010s. And so looking at, you know, a lot of different things, Um, my career has been, uh, what I think is a, a very uh, a smooth evolution from finance to financial software, to the hardware side of that. And you know, I've helped design data centers. I've helped build out data centers. Uh, I've pretty much anything you can do in IT, I've probably done. You know, in my early career, I was pulling wires through walls as well, right? So, uh, and then I settled and found uh, FinOps, and not settled, but uh, I settled down to find FinOps, and I, I just loved it because it, it fed my financial analysis part but also the fluidity of of cloud and, and you know kind of the newness and and it's always kind of evolving and uh it's just really attracted me to this and and i just love it i can sit here and talk the next three days on it if you want but um let's not do that but um uh, <laughs> not this time. It's, just We're been, doing it's just been a, a great great evolution in, in getting to this point
1: i think and, uh, you know, I, I can't remember how the saying goes, but basically your career always makes sense when you look back on it. But yeah. if you were at the beginning, you'd have no idea how you got to the end. Um, um, yeah. And I think we've all we've all had that. And I think that's what makes Finup so interesting. Every person you speak to and hopefully as we do more of these interviews, everyone has such a, a vastly different story. You know, um, I, I, you know, I've got I'm a chef you know, Frank used to live on a desert island. <laughs> you know, you would finance, you know, Webb uh, Brown who was on previously, you know, he's he's been, you know, deep dark software engineer side. Yeah. Um it's it's totally random the kind of people and it's actually that community and the fact that if you just go and ask a question in FinOps Foundation or in, you know, other forums, you actually will get such a breadth of different thoughts and answers because it's got such a, a diverse community in terms of its backgrounds, which I think is fantastic.
2: Yeah, and I agree. And I, I, for me, I find um, most of the most successful ones um, always have the same trait of being very detail-oriented. And and yes, they can be very social, but they can also be very detail-oriented. And and a lot of the, like my mentor, which is a Brent Newbanks and, and Frank, you know Brent, I don't know if Steve, if you know Brent, um, you know, I'm lucky enough to now work with him every day. So for me, that's that's just a, a fun opportunity to to continue to learn and grow. But um, yeah, I mean, the, the social component of this is really something that is not, I don't want to say not normal, but it's not intuitive to an IT person to have a very social component to what they do. Um, although, if you move into the FinOps part of IT, um, a lot of people are very social, right? And it's this the uh, the approach they have. I mean, take Joe Daly, for example, uh, you know, he is just this, this ball of energy that you want to talk to for a long time. And, yeah. and he's so knowledgeable in the, in the space as well. But I mean, he's just a very, um, I, I would call him somewhat extrovert. Um, yeah. But, but he's very gregarious. And, and, not at all what you would think of, of a financial IT person minded right kind of thing, yeah. and, and it's just you find so many uh, individuals like that that have just a unique perspective on things that uh, this is really why I enjoy the space. And I'm I'm
0: going to take this slightly going down to say to, to ask two very very important questions or one very Lotus one two three was on DOS
2: <laughs> or on Windows. Uh, so I want to say early version of Windows, but there was a version of DOS in in the company. Yeah,
0: yeah was, I think that was my the first software someone installed on my computer at the time. So it tells us <laughs> so. And, and the second yeah, thing I'm is no. Let's not talk about that old stuff. Oh yeah, the, we, <clears throat> the other you feel
2: thing we <laughs> won't have the context right, but as well as. The, the yeah. horrors that we went through early on with those things, trying to figure out how things work. That was fun.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, and the other thing, which was quite... A, 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 I can imagine now how everyone, some people will just be super excited to go on a meeting with TJ because ev- something is going to happen. But how do they feel if every meeting with TJ generates three new projects? Very interesting ones. Is, is
2: that what uh, happens in Box? Um, you know, we are we're fairly early in our cloud journey. And I think that's why um, both Brent and I are here and we're really help, here to to help guide the organization. And I'd and I, I like to think we do a, a pretty good job at that. And, you know, it's just, there's so much to do still, right? That we're, we're, we have all these ideas and we just can't do them all. And so, you know, we as a team uh, look at you know what do we what do we feel is the most important that we can contribute to the organization as a whole and and where are we going to make a difference to the organization and you know with that kind of approach uh, we find very successful projects that emerge and and we have a great team of people that are fantastic at what they do um, and and so you know we actually have a team of almost ten people on and off ten it's usually nine to ten. And so that's a fairly decent-sized FinOps yeah. uh, team, right? Very. And, and w- you know, we're, we're able to do a lot, but there's a lot to do, right? And so that's the challenge that we have is prioritizing and making sure that we're, again, contributing to uh, to the organization as best we can. That's
0: really
2: cool. Just conscious of time
1: and the fact that we could chat forever, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if the listeners can listen forever. Yeah. Um, Going back to where we started this and the exciting news that you started a new yes. working group, what are the things you're hoping will come out of the working group? And maybe also to bolt onto that question, what kind of people would you like to come and help?
2: So um, I, I am very open to all all people coming in and with all varied backgrounds because we're all going to have different experiences around communication. Uh, some are going to be better than others. Some are going to be different. Um, and, you know, I, I am open to everybody, first of all. Um, secondly, the outcome that we're trying to get to is um, I'm looking to uh, do a couple of things. One, I would like to see um, a FinOps communication plan that is a, a broad, I don't want to say necessarily generic plan, but a, an overarching plan that would give somebody a starting point of how to build their own plan. Number two, I think um, trying to trust building models, you know, what may be scenario-based to help people, you know, navigate through situations that they come across and, you know, maybe options to take, uh, you know, if certain situations come up. um, You know, I have have done um, diversity training, uh, personality styles training um, emotional intelligence training. I've gone through a lot of this as a consultant to be better at what I'm doing, so I can a relate to you know my clients better, but also be a better salesperson and understand you know kind of what are the the things that this person is looking to achieve, whether it's professional or personal, and try to help them get there, you know, through whatever my network, through whatever I can help them with. And and that has always been helpful and successful from a sales perspective. And then really kind of getting that down to how do I do that internally for my internal partners, right? And so those are all things that that I have kind of used as a skill set to build over time that that got me to the point where, you know, we can do a lot in a very short period of time and, and we can build trust quickly. That's that's
1: really interesting i remember i was i think i was chatting to a guy who used to be the head of training at google really really top guy did a training course with him went went some beers and he uh, he suggested this app i think it's called approach where when you're dealing with someone that you maybe struggle with you can answer some questions on their behalf and it tells you it kind of guesses their personality type and, and maybe what you're getting wrong and what will work with them what won't um and for people that maybe haven't got that experience in how to deal with very different personality types yes. in, a, you know, if you can't go and get that training, which is so valuable you know, me and Frank have done certain bits. And I mean, Frank, like reading up on this stuff, it's kind of an area of interest to us, but actually that was a real quick cheat guide um, that I used to kind of give to to sellers just, Hey, have a look at this. Go and answer this question of this IT manager is nothing like you as your big gregarious sales self, and see what kind of things they need. What reassurance this person needs to yeah. feel better connected to you.
2: Yeah, and there's so many tools out there. I mean, for personality styles, there's one called DISC. There's mm. there's colors. There's another one called um, Taking Flight. I mean, there's so many that identify the four or five major personality styles that gives you insight on, on what motivates them. Yeah, you know, how would they make a decision and, and they're pretty spot on actually. Mm-hmm. And what's that's kind of scary that I don't want to say everybody's predictable, but the majority of the time there's some consistencies across everybody that, that can be predictable in some, some level and, and understanding what motivates somebody identifying their style um, really builds that relationship quicker. Right. And so, for me, that was a really interesting uh, kind of uh, aha moment. I'd say maybe you know eight, ten years ago, um, where I started really learning this more and more, and and it really helped accelerate the trust building. It helped accelerate, uh, I want to say, the the sales cycles and and stuff like that. But it helped build the relationship, which was great because they understood me, I understood them, and now we can work together better. You so can I learned a lot about myself.
1: If, if you if you do one of these things on yourself you can actually learn a lot about maybe why some things annoy you and stuff that's what i found and <laughs> i found that my my when i'm under pressure like i've got quite a, a standard mask where i'm quite easygoing and collaborative but actually if i'm really under pressure i can really really direct and it can be a real shock for people i mean when me and frank worked together frank absolutely found that we're normally we're so collaborative and then suddenly i've got a time pressure and i'm a bit of an a-hole and (laughs) you know suddenly it's a very different steve and then we have a chat after work and i'm back to normal steve it's like what's going on i'm like i was just trying to get it done that was you know and i had to learn that about myself that actually just getting it done doesn't mean i should change how i deal with people because i've worked really hard on how i deal with people the rest of the time and uh, it can be a really interesting one any final questions from you frank
0: no, not really. Now I don't have a final question. That was extremely. I have notes all over the place. I want to go in the channel, so I invite everyone who is a practitioner, finance practitioner, to go to the channel. Discover, talk with TJ. By the way, bombard him. He, he is an absolutely amazing person to talk with. So yes, wealth of knowledge. Try to experience. spot, yeah, spot him at at events. Uh, just just go. The chat is going to be amazing. So that's that's the tip for. Very kind. <clears> thank th- you. Yeah.
1: And, yes. and hopefully tj we can we can get you back in the future to talk about unit economics with some of the work you've been doing there as well i think listeners would
2: love that. yeah ha- happy to do that you know we've come a long way we're in a second sprint of that working group i co-lead that one and that one's really kind of you know kind of tugs on the heartstrings there because it has a lot of uh, financial components to it and it really gets yeah. you to a point where you can really make the big decisions for the organization with the unit economics measurement and you know uh that's just uh, an amazing part of of contributing to the organization and how to make it better
1: i think it's one of the most exciting parts of FinOps yes. in economics it, it unlocks so many things and can it, if if someone gets their mind around it properly and and learns about some of the tactics of implementing it the value as a practitioner you can bring just quadruples overnight mm-hmm. i think i think it's massive and the value yeah,
2: organization does the same thing mm-hmm. so yeah 100 yeah. percent and it's the kind of thing that I,
0: when I think it conceptually, I say, oh, it's reasonably easy. And I am sure it is so full of details i'm just happily ignoring so i, I went into some of the details and then discover yes how complicated that is but yeah the initial thing is yeah well you just take a cost divide by the amount of stuff done <laughs> <laughs> gotta start somewhere right it's, uh, <laughs> oh, come yeah, on like I whatever it, uh,
2: information is better than nothing so <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean that's kind of the, the the basic evolution that you start with right uh, i have a maturity process that i built that that is around the you know that whole thing right and so you know when we talk about unit economics you know it's either going to be engineering based it's going to be finance based it's going to be operations based and you know so you have you have a ton of different measurements you know and people mostly start with the engineering mm-hmm. unit economics yeah. right and or cost to serve right it costs yep. x amount of cloud infrastructure to serve a customer right for example There's a cost to produce, which is the non-production cost, which some people call the R&D cost, too. But, I mean, so you go through all of these different measurements, um, and and they all can impact the organization in different ways as well. It's a lot of fun. And, and again, I'm happy to talk about that uh, on another one uh, whenever you're ready. This is a a perfect little taster to tease people
1: in to the next time TJ's on. Yeah. Happy Happy to. Well, thank you so much for your time, TJ. Uh, My it's pleasure. great speaking this to you. This was fun. Catching
2: thank
1: up. you. Um, and we really did tell you that we don't do any pre- preparation, and now you see that that's absolutely true.
2: It's absolutely uh, true. Absolutely
1: true. <laughs> we don't even know if the sound effects are going to work.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. You guys are awesome. So thank you. Perfect. Thank,
1: thank you, you so much and uh, we hope to be speaking to you all uh, soon, everyone. We'll be doing a, uh, a news episode um, that will be coming out shortly soon as well and then we've got loads more of these interviews coming so thank you so much for listening so bye for now from me, Stephen Old and me, Franck Contrepois and <laughs> TJ
0: Thank
2: you guys, much appreciated